Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And this week's episode, we'll be discussing the Super Bowl as we are barreling towards Super Bowl Sunday. We'll also be talking about the NBA, what's going down there, and then we will have our Jack's Hot Take. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe and share to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify, along with following the YouTube show. We posted the link to the YouTube show in the past couple of uh, subscriptions. We'll definitely add it to this one. And don't forget, all as always, to like, uh, sorry, to subscribe or like or follow uh, Justin Time Sports social media at J Time Sports. I repeat, at J Time Sports for all of your breaking news and updates. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Justin Town Sports Podcast, the audio version. I like you guys heard in the intro, past couple of episodes. We're gonna have an audio show and a YouTube show pretty much every week. Um, you guys know that that's the goal is to get two shows a week. We may not have the YouTube show every week, but the goal is to have the audio show every week, unless of course I tell you guys I'm on a break, uh, which we'll have our next scheduled break sometime after the Super Bowl. But there will be an audio show and a YouTube show. We'll put the description to the YouTube show in the uh, or put the link to the YouTube show in the description. Sorry, um, and that way again, you guys will be able to see the YouTube show and um, the audio show. The YouTube show, of course, partnering with IMS Productions uh, with uh, the host of Hey Jai, uh, John Ramborski and his NIT Pod uh, crew. We're part of the head of the NIT Pod crew. Uh, we're working with him, along with uh, the media company, his company, IMS Productions, uh, to do the video, uh, do the video show, the YouTube show, or the TV show, as I'm going to probably call it a lot. And then, of course, we'll have the uh, podcast you guys listening to, kind of the un-NIT and IMS production show. Um, so, like Skip Bayless says, he has the undisputed Skip Bayless show, where the Justin Time Sports podcast or Justin Time Sports show uh, will be the non or the un YouTube show. Kinda get more in depth, a little more analytical. That one's gonna be more beginning based for YouTube. So uh, definitely subscribe to both of those. Again we'll put the link back into the uh, description. Make sure you like, rate and share, uh leave a comment. Your honest opinion is nice. You can say it's absolutely trash money records and I I appreciate that. I mean I gotta get better. You can say it's absolutely amazing. I appreciate that. I'm still gonna get better, right? Um, and so your honest opinion is what I'm looking for there, but your subscription, your, um, your follow, um, and your, um, oh, your follow and your like and your rating is what I'm very, uh, key towards. So I appreciate you to get those numbers up. Uh, so I appreciate you guys all who have done it and we need to keep on that train. Right. But enough of that business. Let's get right into the Super Bowl. We've got the Niners, the San Francisco 49ers of the NFC, the champs of the NFC, the best team in the NFC all season, despite 17 that better records. I was stay on the Niners train. Um, 
you know, they had a week, couple of weeks of injuries, but I've been on the Niners train pretty much the whole year. Um, they are one-and-a-half-point favorites right this second, according to ESPN Bet. And actually, let me double-check uh, that number because I was working on ESPN Bet a second ago. Let me double-check it. Um, yeah, right this second, the Niners are holding at one and minus one-and-a-half. Last week, we did the show, kind of a pre-show. It was minus two. It's come down to minus one-and-a-half. It has not moved. Um, and they faced, of course, the AFC reigning, defending, undisputed AFC champs of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the reason why I added all that gusto and that flair is because they're reigning. And then they went and defended it. And, and uh, you know, they're still the AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs, looking for their second Super Bowl in as many seasons, their third and four years, uh, which would be the first to do that since the Patriots of the early 2000s. A lot on the line in this game, right? You've got a lot of people talking about a lot of different stuff when it comes to this game, right? You've got Chiefs fans trying to take an angle of the underdog. You've got Niners fans trying to paint themselves as the underdog. You've got history on both sides of both staffs. Both quarterbacks are in a historic uh, situation here. Christian McCaffrey has the potential to make a whole lot of history. Travis Kelsey sitting there. There's a Taylor Swift effect. Roger Goodell could be ushering in his newest dynasty. You've got two relatively small market teams in the Super Bowl. Um, There's their second meeting in four years in the Super Bowl. So a lot of history here is on the line, right? And so we're going to start off with the Chiefs, and they have a chance at a dynasty. And we spoke about it just a few seconds ago. They're looking to go back-to-back. The first time, the first team since the 3 4 Patriots, they're looking to, or I don't have the years wrong, but the early Johnson's Patriots, also that same Patriots team won three and four years. They're the only team to do that, right? The Chiefs are looking to do that. Before the Patriots, it's the Cowboys. Um, before the Cowboys, I don't think it was anybody in the 80s. I don't know I can remember. And then I know the 70s was the steel curtain. Um, man, there was a dynasty in the 80s, and I can't think of it. It's almost like I, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know there was a dynasty in the 80s because the steel curtain and the Cowboys were in the 70s. Um, the 80s, I cannot think. I know the 80s NBA was a mess, but the 80s, I cannot think. Or the 70s NBA was a mess. Um, I cannot think. And I know the 90s was the Cowboys, the main dynasty, and then the Patriots at the turn of the century. Um, and now you're kind of standing in the middle of the Chiefs one. You're kind of watching in real time how a dynasty is formed. It looks differently, right? A dynasty in today's world of sports in general, it looks different. When you were in the 70s, the rules stated pretty much there was no free agency. Reggie White was really the first guy to do free agency. And yes, you can go to multiple teams, but the team had your contract rights. And if they decided that his we're going to offer you, that's what you took. There was no... Oh, I think, you know, I'm on the Packers. I think the Colts are giving me more money. I'm going to go to free agency and find out. That is not how that worked, right? Reggie White was really the first star to get to free agency. Um, Because before that, a not-so-good player would be let out his contractual rights, and then he had the right to go try to find a team to play on. If you were a legit guy, if you were a star, the team gave you a contract. Literally. You, You play for this or you don't play. And so, with the and that was kind of how teams were able to stay together. And you're wondering, like, man, how in the world did the Steelers of the '70s afford to pay all those people? Because the owner told them what they were going to get, take it or leave it. How did the Cowboys in the '90s stay together with Emmitt and Michael and Troy and 
you know, Dion came in and all these different people, like, free agency existing, but the NFL contractually is set up a little different than the NBA. Um, so even, you know, the NFL stars don't still don't really move. Even with the modern um, advent of player mobility, NFL stars still don't really move just because of the way the contracts are set up. And so I say all that to say that you, you're able to watch the Chiefs develop a dynasty in real time. And it started off with the way everybody wants you to win now, which is you find, you find your quarterback, you find your stud, your young stud. You go win a ring on the rookie contract. And then you just figure it out after that. And they were able to do that. They got Mahomes by year two. So, if it, you know, people always talk about the seven years, seven years. It's really year eight for Mahomes because he sat the first year. So I think he played week 18. But he sat pretty much, he pretty much redshirted the first year. And then you go and you have the big year, the year two, you're running to Brady. Year three, you start winning Super Bowls. And so that being said, and you play Brady again in the Super Bowl, it's a lot. But that, that being said, you, you win on the rookie contract. Then you sign the 10-year half a billion dollar deal. Right? So now your money counts like a top quarterback. And you lose Tyreek Hill. Right? And you can't keep Frank Clark and Chris Jones. And Ty Matthews the same. And, you know, you start tearing pieces off of the original team. And you start, you got a whole bunch of Rasheed Rices. And you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And you find this six-pound running back named Isaiah Pacheco. And you kind of overdraft off the hype, but he's he still contributing. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And you got your paid Joe Tooney, good for you, but your right tackle is Jawan Taylor now. You know, it's not Orlando Brown. And it's kind of like you keep going step by step to this team. And this is the time of this is the time of the contractual lifespan. You're not supposed to win, right? You're supposed to win early, a la Russell Wilson, a la Joe Burrow getting there, a la Jared Goff getting there. Um, try this with the guys who won really, really young. Um... Man, brain cramp right now. But you're supposed to win on that first deal, the first five years. And then it's supposed to be a lull while you go money chase. Where's up? Maybe like a six or seven year, just I'm all about the back F the team. And then on the back end of your career, you look up and say, man, I only got one. Well, I don't have any. Okay, let me take two-thirds of what I'm worth. So I'm worth 40. Let me take 25. So you can use that $15 million to give me another corner, give me another safety, whatever, to help the team out. Then you're supposed to win a game. You're not supposed to win during the bag chase era. And so Mahomes is in the middle of his bag chase era, and he is propositioned to win. Um, And if they do so, they're a dynasty, right? Three and four years, um, back-to-back, Mahomes would have three MVPs. Um, And a lot of people look at that point of where does Mahomes fall all time. Seriously. Because if you take his resume, he'd have three Super Bowl MVPs, presumably, three Super Bowl trophies, two to three MVP trophies, a 5,050 season. He's been all pro every year he started, I strongly believe, first or second team. If he's not all pro every year, he's all pro damn near every year. And I believe he's been named to the Pro Bowl every year, right? So that resume alone, seven Pro Bowls, six all pros, three rings, three MVPs, it's better than Peyton Manning. Right, it, Brady's the exception. It's better than Manning. 
it's right around Joe Montana. Like he's in the he'd be in the realm of Joe Montana. Overnight, it's better than Marino. It's better than Favre. It's better than uh, Tarkington. It's better than Peyton. It's better than Eli. Like he would arise better than Steve Young. He would arrive overnight in the land of Joe Montana. In which case, he's in the top three quarterback of all time. He's one ring away. The problem is, for him, the gap between three to one is the freaking Grand Canyon. Doesn't help the fact that Brady beat him twice in the playoffs and one time in the Super Bowl. So now that gap, Brady's got like five league MVPs. He's got seven trophies. He's done it with the legendary coach and with Bruce Arians. He's beaten you twice in the Super Bowl. Like the gap between three to one is the Grand Canyon. Not like in the NBA. The NBA, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and LeBron James all sitting around the same round table figuring out who's who. You know what I'm saying? They're right there with each other at pretty much every step. Now, LeBron's going to get the counting numbers way past anybody in history uh, due to longevity and ability. But they're sitting around the same lunch table. Honestly, it's Siri wanted to jump in. Uh, but they're sitting around the same... Um, Sitting around the same, where you can say round table or triangular table, um, equidistant from each other, figuring out who's going to be where, right? Um, and so when you've got that going on, that's a different discussion than what the NFL has with quarterback. Uh, to me, receiver is that round table. Jerry probably at the top of that round table, but T.O. and Randy Moss are not too far behind. Um, at quarterback, it's a gap. Brady's so far out. Brady got all the counting numbers and all the wins, rings, and all the MVPs, and all the R-Pros. Like, he's got everything. He's got the whole argument. Um, and so that's what makes it interesting for Mahomes. Um, but Mahomes is battling for the to, uh, to go in the inner room. And, I always, and I've talked about people that are the Hall of Fame. I feel like there should be a second one. I feel like there should be inner room. I feel like – and people kind of mentally know who's in the inner room. By the inner room, I mean – Yes, you we're Hall of Famers, but I'm way better than you. Francis, tight end. Shannon Sharp, Gronk, and Tony Gonzalez are in the inner room. Everybody else is out there. Yeah, them three. And Travis Kelsey wins the ring. He joins the inner room. Think about all those guys. Tony Gonzalez is the only one. He was such a dominant player. I don't think he ever won a ring. He didn't have to. Shannon has three rings. Gronk has three rings. Um, Gronk has four rings, actually. Um, Travis Kelsey is going for ring number three. And they've got all the stats and all the ability and all the talent. Travis Kelsey wins. He's in that inner room. He joins that room. Uh, look at the quarterback room. That's Montana. That's Brady. That's Peyton. Banging on the door is Patrick Mahomes. Um, just to kind of put it. So I think the Hall of Fans have an inner room. I think Mahomes gets in the inner room. I think they open the door and invite him in the inner room if he wins on Sunday. Um, so there's a lot at stake for the Chiefs. Just with their dynasty, Mahomes' go case. Where do you put Andy Reid? You know, with a win, he'd have what three rings? He's uh, been in his sixth Super Bowl because this is his fifth one with the Chiefs. Because this would be Mahomes has lost one to Brady. Yeah, this would be his fourth with the Chiefs. And he lost one to the uh, Patriots. This is his fifth Super Bowl appearance. He's been in. Oh God, it's been an eight championship every time Mahomes started. So six. AFC Championship games, and he went to five with Philly, and only made it out once. I think he's been in eleven. He's been to eleven conference championship games, 
He's been to five Super Bowls. He's going for his third ring. He Bill Walsh. You know what I'm saying? Like he's in there with Bella. He goes in the inner room. The inner room of coaching is Shula. Got the most wins. Bill Belichick got the most wins in uh, Super Bowl. Bill Walsh. Um, and I'm sure I'm gonna forget somebody. To me, Bill Coward's not in the inner room. He's not. Um, Jimmy Johnson just didn't do it long enough. He's not in the inner room. Um, so it's just like you know some of the great coaches. Sean Payton's not in that room. Sean Payton's a Hall of Famer, but he's not in the inner room. Mike Tomlin's a Hall of Famer. He's not in the inner room. Um, he's not in that goat case. When to me, the inner room is the goat case. And so if you're not in the goat case argument, you're not in the room. Um, and so that's what Andy Reid has. Andy Reid wins. He's in the room. He have the raw counting numbers of wins. He would have three Super Bowl rings, five appearances, and eleven trips to the conference finals. He's in the inner room. He's in. He's in the goat case of coaches. Is he the goat of coaches? No, it's Bill Belichick. But he has the ability to be in the discussion at the round table. He, he pulls the seat up with his burgers at the round table of the discussion. So that's what Bill. That's what Andy Reid has on the line. Shifting gears, the San Francisco 49ers, They have validation on the line. Validation. Oh, what's on the line for San Fran is validation. It's I told you. It's I warned you. It's everything about me is fat now. From the head to the tail, every single piece of that organization is battling validation. I'll explain. Let's start off with the GM, John Lynch. John Lynch has nailed every single position on this team, but one. He is home. The question. He is home runs at every single position on this team in this team's history, but one quarterback until he hit the Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy, which many people attribute to Kyle Shanahan making the call like, let's bring the kid in the camp. No other reason. Let's bring the kid in the camp. I have to fight over him with the uh, with the money. I have to fight over him with the undrafted free agent. Let's bring the kid in the camp. All right. Okay. So now John Lynch hits. He says, see, I can build a roster for a championship. That's me. I can do this. He was a champion as a player. Or he was a championship level player. Let's go down. Knock it out one peg. Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's been to two Super Bowls. 28 to 3. 20 to 10. What those two things have in common? The person with the small number wins. Kyle Shanahan is the offensive play caller for the team that loses both times. He was the offensive coordinator with Dan Quinn when they were up 28-3 with 2 minutes and 12 seconds left in the third quarter. And then Tom Brady happened. And then he was the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers when they were up 20-10 against Patrick Mahomes in the third quarter. And then Mahomes happened. And both times, Kyle Shanahan could contribute to the fact that he had the worst quarterback. He did. Tom Brady is considerably better than Matt Ryan. Patrick Mahomes is considerably better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Last year, this team hinged on, we were going to go win it. Brock Purdy got hurt. If Purdy don't get hurt, we blow y'all out and go to the Super Bowl. But guess what? Purdy's not hurt. They're in the bowl. Speaking of Purdy, dude, you're Mr. Irrelevant. Guys like me have been slandering you since the Niners gave you the job. And you are four quarters away from making me, probably on this show, eat a whole lot of humble pie. I mean a whole 
lot of humble pie. Hey, just a whole lot of contrition, back talk, backsliding. I ain't really mean it. Like, it's just going to be a lot going on. Um, from a guys like, I mean, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand on my opinion. Hey, you know, I didn't think he was that good. To be honest, still don't. Um, but, hey, he was able to freaking win a Super Bowl. It's 50-something champions in history. A lot of organizations got multiple. Pat six, Bucks two, Steelers six, Cowboys five. Like, I just went through 17, kind of eight, 19 quickly, right? Like, and so there's not a lot of champions in this league. Giants twice. Uh, there's not a lot of champions in this league. So when you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you validated everything. And, you know, he's Mr. Relevant. He wasn't even supposed to be here. He wasn't supposed to make it through camp. Now he's four quarters away from being Super Bowl champion. Um, so shout out to Brock Purdy. Um, we're going to keep an eye on that. Keep moving. Christian McCaffrey, he was not the first running back off the board in that draft. That was Leonard Fournette. And a lot of people thought Christian McCaffrey inability to gain more weight would be the reason why people kept him on. People didn't draft him as high as Leonard Fournette. He's four wins away from having the big money, the big stats, and the big ring. Now, Lombardi Lenny got his ring. Tom Brady's first year, but he never had the big contract extension. He was never considered the best back in football. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but the Bills cut him during his playoffs because I don't know why. He just was he was released. Meanwhile, Christian McCaffrey is running the Niners literally into the into the Super Bowl. Go out to guys like Trent Williams. Trent Williams never been in the Super Bowl. Despite all his amazingness, I think he came to the Niners the year after he was in Washington forever. Came to the Niners the year after they won the Super Bowl. Uh, or went to the Super Bowls. He's never been in the Super Bowl as the best, to me, left tackle in football. Uh, you've got, on that defense, they play like dog crap, in their opinion, against the Lions. Um, they got a lot of validation over there. Fred Warner wants to be the undisputed best Mike Linebacker in the league. I think he is. He wants title undisputed. Um, Dre Greenlaw saying, don't forget about me over here um, at the other linebacker. You've got all that talent up front. You've got Nick Bosa. You've got Chase Young, who the organization has been kind of at odds with. Um, you have those five first-round picks on the defensive line. Like You've got so many guys trying to validate themselves in a team that told Philly to their face before they played them, y'all only beat us because we were hurt. Where's up? Told them straight up, y'all only got us because Purdy got hurt. And I believe Trey Lance was either inactive or also injured. And I want to say he was inactive because they ended up changing the rule because of the Niners. The Niners had no quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey ended up at quarterback. Like, you know, because Lance, not Lance, Purdy was hurt. Somebody else got hurt. Because of the old rule, they had to inactivate Trey Lance for the roster spot. But now Trey Lance would have been in the game, but they couldn't do that because he was inactive. Now he, you can list a third quarterback as inactive and then list him as the emergency quarterback. So if both other quarterbacks are injured, he can play and not count as a roster spot. Um, and that rule was instituted because of last year's playoffs. And the Niners crushed the Eagles in the regular season, and they've you know won their games. Not totally convincing, but they've won their games in the playoffs, obviously, of course, to get here. So that's what's on the line between the two organizations. A lot is happening. Um... One of my one of the juiciest betting numbers, however, is over under forty seven and a half. Um, so if you put the two scores together, that's uh, over under uh, divided by let's see twenty three point two five or something like that. It's math, but twenty three point seven five 
and then um, take a half point away. Vegas predicting something like 22 to 25, 22 to 26, uh, 23, 22 and a half, 26. No way. 26, 23 is kind of what the Vegas line is telling you, or 25, 22 is kind of what the Vegas line is telling you. Um, so, close game, defensive game. I don't think either team's under 20. Chiefs have a hell of a defense. Ask Lamar Jackson. Niners have one of the best defensive rosters in football, right? So, but you also gave Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, two weeks. Brock Purdy's playing incredibly confident. I think that they go over comfortably. I think both of them be in the upper 20s. I think they go over comfortably. Um, that's, one of, that's my favorite prop bet uh, of this game. Of course, in the coin flip, is always heads. So, my favorite uh, prop bet during this game is the over under 47 and a half. But in some. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Almost moved on. My official pick. Sticking with it like I had last week. I had the Niners all year winning the Super Bowl healthy. They're healthy. Here we go. Niners, uh, take the Niners and the points, minus one and a half. You wanna, if you feel comfortable teasing it up to about two and a half, tease it up, and that way you can get plus money. Um, I think it'll be about a field goal game, so tease it up to two and a half. That way you can get plus money on your investment. Um, but Niners take the points and the outright uh, Niners win the Super Bowl. In some quick hitter news, Cliff Kingsbury is the officially named the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy, who was the offensive coordinator for the team last season, and was the OC for Kansas City uh, throughout the Patrick Mahomes era, would not return to the organization. So it'll be very interesting to see where he lands up. You know, quarterback coach in Washington or somewhere else. I think he's trying his hand at the college level just for like a year or two, similar to Joe Brady, and then come back up when a great opportunity arises. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers have locked in both their coordinators. Uh, the DC for the Michigan Wolverines, I can't think of his name right now. He's becoming the he's becoming the defensive coordinator for the Chargers. And Greg Roman, who is the OC for Jim Harbaugh in the Niners days with Kaepernick, is now the offensive offensive coordinator uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. After previously being the offensive coordinator for his brother John Harbaugh before a little stint. Oh, no, it's Rick Martin down. Never mind. But being an offensive coordinator for John Harbaugh, um, and now he's back with Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers. And then the Dallas Cowboys, of course, have an official coordinator opening with Dan Quinn heading to Washington to be the head coach. And they're slow playing it. They're interviewing a bunch of candidates. Kind of remind me of what the Patriots are doing with their OC. Um, they're interviewing a bunch of candidates, including Rex Ryan. Pretty very interesting there. You know, Michael Parsons' stand-up edge would be intriguing. But they are slow playing the defensive coordinator um, higher at the moment. Got to see what uh, Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy is going to do there. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and discuss a snooze fest of a trade deadline. Welcome back to the show. And I just made more noise than the entire NBA trade deadline. What? 
a snooze fest. Actually, the trade deadline ended about an hour ago. Again, what a snooze fest. I, uh, snooze fest, honestly, might be kind. That was so boring. And I kind of wondered why. You know, I kind of wondered why what's like what's what was gonna happen right the new cba starts next year we'll go into more detail about it but the new cba starts next year a lot of guys are in holding patterns and people you don't think are gonna be good are like no one thought okc was coming this year right the clippers pulled that move off of james harden Denver is kind of just holding firm, which we pretty much we do with the champion, try and hold as much of it together as you could, as you can. Um, the Warriors are nowhere near contention, neither really are the Lakers. The Pelicans were hot and may have made a move for like a Tyus Jones, except they're falling off the pace a little bit. You go to the East, the Sixers are stuck because Embiid's hurt. Um, and so you may have wanted to add one more shooter, add... One more reserve big add, another point guard maybe, and you can't because your star's hurt and who knows he plays the rest of the season. Boston is tapped out. Um, I'm trying to think of other people. Man, uh, who's out top? The Knicks, they're in the superstar hunt. If they're not going to get a superstar, they can kind of hold their team as they are. Same with the Cavs. The Cavs are trying to hold their own star in Donovan Mitchell. So when you go through all these different scenarios, but then breakdowns, it's boring. It was really boring. And I think what strapped people, really, was the new CBA. So a couple of the guys people mentioned, the poison pill. What is the poison pill? The poison pill is basically, and I'm actually Google it to make sure I get the right uh, terminology, but basically it prevents, it makes, and prevent, it makes trading for a rookie extended player very, very cost-punitive. Because in short, it makes the new it makes the traded contract look like the extension so what it does is in short um hold on i'm trying i'm trying to read on it really really quickly Okay, all right, all right, all right. So I, want, so I was right when I was talking about it earlier, but I wanted to be sure. Okay, so the poison pill is this. Let's just say you have, and then the example they're using this is Larry Nance, right? Larry Nance. So let's say, so Larry Nance signed a four-year, I'm going to use, this, use that literal example, and I probably explain it with like an R.J. Barrett. So, Larry Nance signed a four-year, $44.8 million rookie scale extension with the Cavs in 2018. However, he's only on the books for the 2018-2019 season for $2.27 million. If the Cavaliers decided to up and trade him even after he's been extended, the poison pill will then kick in for his contract. So, from the Cavs' perspective... It looks like 
His outgoing value is what's on the books, the current year, of $2.27 million. However, the new team getting him sees on their salary cap $9.4 million because it's the average of the whole contract. So whatever you sign for, whatever you extend for, they take the total remainder of the contract, average it out, and that's what the new team sees as far as salary match. Okay, why does that matter? They say you take an. They say you take a player. His rookie deal is four years, forty million dollars. Let's just say. Okay. Before I do four years, fifty million dollars, twelve and a half million. Let's just say. Okay. He rookie super max extends. He rookie max extends for five years, two hundred. So forty million dollars on the board. Okay. And let's say he did it though, but he wants to go to somewhere else. He, in his mind, wants to play basketball elsewhere. He makes it no, I want out. Extension was cool, it was great. I never played on it here. I want out. Cool. They call his preferred destination. You want to make a trade for this guy? New team goes, sure. Isn't his contract poison-pilled because of the extension? They go, yes. Screws everything up. Because now, the new, the outgoing team only has to match $12.5 million. The incoming team has to match nearly 40. So what scenario are you going to be able to make up $28 million worth of difference and keep the value? Also, the new team has to be able to absorb 20, or the old team has to be able to absorb $28 million of extra money. If they can't do that, now you got to find a third team to take, again, you still got to get rid of $40 million worth of money. Now you got to find the new team to take, let's say, the difference. This is a new ticket to take 15, but there's $25 million extra. To take $25 million, or maybe even a fourth team to dump pieces on. And probably attach draft capital just to take the contracts to order to get the one player. So you may end up trading five for one. At that point, it's not worth it. So that's what's stopping people for one because a couple people that were mentioned in trades were poison pill. So that's stopping people for one. For two, the new CBA with the luxury tax. So with the, it, a lot of times, some of these bigger trades would push teams either firmly into tax apron one, standard rules last year, standard normal stuff. Or shoves them in the tax too, or pushes them to the tax so close to the second tax apron that you, you, you can't, there's no wiggle room. It's even hard to extend your own guy because you'll go in it. You know what I'm saying? There's no wiggle room. That second tax apron is so punitive. You can't use second round picks in a trade. You can't go cash for player. You got to go player for player and dollar for dollar in a trade. Like, it gets so hard to move. You can't you can't be in, be in the buyout market as a um, you can't be in the buyout market as a whoa okay hold on bit a bit of breaking news um, Cincinnati Bengals safety coach Robert Livingston has officially become the off the defensive coordinator of Colorado a big move in the sports world is Dion who said he had a big guy coming uh, primetime lands his defensive coordinator. Out of the NFL ranks. So, congratulations to Colorado. Um, I know Chad Johnston at one point was lobbying on Club Shay Shay with him to get a job at Colorado. Apparently, Chad Johnston announced he's going to be 
and as the Raiders, uh, either in some sort of assistant receiver coach position or some sort of thing dealing with the building behavior part of the Raiders organization with Antonio Pierce. Um, so because Prime, anyway, lands his defensive coordinator, Robert Livingston from the Bengals. Anyway, back to what I was saying about the new CBA. So teams are so worried about getting shoved into that very punitive second tax. Nobody did anything. And then the biggest name move was Marcus Morris. Or, um, yeah, Marcus Morris. Not Marcus Morris. Oh, what's his name? He's the point guard. I can't even. Like, that's how bad this deadline was. I don't think I tweeted one move. Like, Woes didn't hit the big red breaking on anything. He was kind of just important news. Shams. Didn't do anything. Charles didn't even report most of the moves. Um, yeah, Shake Milton got moved. Troy Brown was Monte Morris. Monte Morris was the biggest name moved in this trade deadline. Um, but what happens is when people are instituting now, what people call pre agency, and the Lakers kind of coined it a few years ago, Rob Palenka. Pre agency means, okay, instead of going after this guy in pre agency and opening up the bids, I'm going to get him a year early. And you see, it happens a lot. It happened a lot about a decade. NBA stars would request trades on last year of their deals. See Carmelo Anthony. Um, see Anthony Davis. See James Harden a couple of times. See Kyrie Irving. Um, they'd request deals on. They'd request trades on the last year of their deal. Why? Because they know if they get traded to the new team, they can get the fifth year. And also, guys usually aren't a holes and want to leave their team with nothing. Plus, it's much easier to get to a new team. Doing a trade because once you trade it to the roster, you're on it. You can go crazy on the contract because I'm on your roster, you're on my bird rights. Um, and so, two teams did pre agency this year fairly well the Pacers and the, the Clippers. The Clippers did pre agency for James Harden. So, James Harden is expected to get extended probably on a two or three year max um, this offseason from the Clippers. They got him in pre agency, they got him via trade. Pacers are going to extend Pascal Siakam to a max contract. Max years, max money. They got him early. Going to get him in there with Tyrese Halliburton a little early. Get him used to playing with each other through pre-agency. So the two big names that were moved that were effectively deadline-ish moves were Tyrese Halliburton. I'm sorry, Pascal Siakam, rather, and James Harden. Zach Levine could have been a guy that got moved, but he, he hurt his foot out for the season. Ultimately, he doesn't get moved. Oh, I said the Sixers end up holding Pat. They were rumored to be making a move for somebody. They end up staying still because Embiid gets hurt. And nobody else really had needle-moving moves. The Lakers were in that DeJounte Murray thing. Doesn't really move the needle, right? New Orleans is cap-strapped. They would have to go near dollar-for-dollar, player-for-player. They need another big. So unless Nick Claxton was coming out of Brooklyn, I don't really see what the Pelicans were going to do. The Clippers are rolling. They don't want to disrupt anything. OKC has all the assets in the world, but they're also rolling. They don't want to. Uh, they don't want to say anything. So you got a lot of these teams that were kind of purposely not moving, um, and so it made a bore, and I do mean a bore of of a free agency, especially of a trade deadline rather. Uh, Joel Embiid. We talked about him being hurt a couple times. He had a meniscus procedure. They're not outright saying it's a surgery, but they did call it a procedure. Uh, it knocks him out for four weeks minimum. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks with his meniscus uh, procedure. It was to deal with the flap. So maybe they did a meniscus trim, not really a repair, more like a trim, kind of cut off the excess. Um, and so he's out for four weeks minimum. 
Um, and then in the All-Star news, as they're placing for Julius Randle and um, Joel Embiid, the Adam Silver has named Trey Young and Scotty Barnes uh, to the All-Star team. So Trey Young, to my opinion, should have been an All-Star before Julius Randle. Anyway, and then Scotty Barnes is the Canadian representative. Being that he's playing on the Raptors and playing pretty well, um, he represents the now the East in the All-Star game. Of course, we're going back to the traditional East-West format. But up next, we're going to shift into Jack's hot take, which is going to be a talk about the disrespect of Joe Burrow. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to discuss the disrespect of Joe Burrow and Jack's hot take. Look, I don't know whose wife Joe Burrow may have attempted to talk to. I don't know who's being paid. I don't even know who the plant was. It feels like an industry plant at this point. I don't know who the plant was. There's been just a massive wave of Joe Burrow disrespect, and it's been happening since he got injured. But it was kind of calm. Now it's just flying up everywhere. There was a guy on TikTok and went viral on Twitter talking about how Joe Burrow's overrated and how when Herbert left the Chargers, look how bad the Chargers look, and the Bengals scored 26 a game and went 4-3, and and, okay, the Bengals are never going to win. His only shot to win was against the Rams, and... Um, Jamar Chase, you know, he's, he's got all these great, amazing weapons, and they're going to start leaving because of the money Burrow's making now, and just slander. And all the Joe Burrow haters just came out the woodwork slandering him. And I find it interesting. It's very much a persuasive kind of argument. When you're trying to persuade someone, you're going to give them one-sided facts to make the other side look bad. It's like a political cartoon. Man, that guy allowed three murderers to walk the street, but he convicted 110. That's not important. The three got away. You see what I'm saying? Oh, that guy, man, he is raising taxes. He's also opened three brand new schools, built four more, and fixed all the roads. Doesn't matter. Taxes are raised. You see what I'm saying? They're going to paint one side of the argument. Yes, Jake Browning and the Bengals went four and three with 26 points a game while Jake Browning was filling in for Joe Burrow. I mind you, when was the Bengals playoff game this year? Don't worry, I'll wait. Oh, you didn't you didn't see it either? Interesting. Um, yes, the Chargers are like one of the worst teams in the league without Justin Herbert. They also had Brandon Staley. So, you know. And then he fired that coach and had the interim. So, again, you know, maybe not the world's best environment. They also lost Keenan Allen to Andrew. Austin Eckler beat up. Joey Bosa was beat up. Um, you know, you're just going to just keep removing the details in this argument. Um, also, Joe Burrows, they, they go, they threw injury prone out. Towards ACL running against Chase Young. Bad idea. He hit his hand on a helmet and broke it. That's not injury prone. That's literally bad luck. It wasn't like anybody hit him. It wasn't like he got smacked and cracked something. Throwing, I think a completed pass, he hits his hand on a helmet and breaks it. Joe Burrow, uh, Herbert did the exact same thing. He never looked the same. Burrow just had the surgery and said, screw it. So I don't get the injury prone thing. 
Joe Burrow, in the three years he's been healthy, has been the two A's. Let's take, let's take all four years. Let's take the four years. Torn ACL, AF Championship game, Super Bowl appearance. No, torn ACL, Super Bowl appearance, AF Championship game, broken hand. The only person in the AFC with more success as far as winning is Patrick freaking Mahomes. Does Joe Burrow have the arm of Josh Allen? No. Does he have the feet of Lamar Jackson? No. He wins in the playoffs. He gets the, he gets the big games. He's never he's never thrown out clunkers. Yes, he looked a little rough start this year. He had a freaking ankle injury. He probably shouldn't have played the first month. Jamar Chase suggested it that he shouldn't even play the first month because of the ankle injury. But he gutted out for his team. They started turning the corner right as he looked like oh man Joe Burrow's back. Joe Burrow Joe Shiesty. He breaks his hand on a helmet. Like it, it's not like he was just smacked and hurt himself. And then the guy also said something on the lines of oh. But every time, you know, he plays bad, they blame the O-line. Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl as the single most sacked quarterback in playoff history. You know where they got him? An overpriced Orlando Brown, who was a freaking turnstile. It's kind of how Joe Burrow broke his hand on the helmet. The guard was getting shoved into his lap. Like, it's not like we're sitting here saying Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in football. That's obviously Patrick Mahomes. We're not saying he's the most dangerous or electric. That's obviously Lamar Jackson. We're not saying he has the most physical gifts. That's obviously Josh Allen. We're saying he's a undisputed top three quarterback in this league when you encompass all things that matter to being a quarterback. Winning, leadership, off the field intangibles, the grind. You know, he's constantly. Now, he doesn't have the individual awards. I think he was robbed out of a couple of Pro Bowls. I think he was robbed out of an All-Pro. But that's neither here nor there. Yes, his contract's going to kick in. But he's already said he's willing to renegotiate it, to pull that number down in order to keep a chase, to keep a Higgins, to keep a Boyd, to keep that defense. It's not hard. Add a couple of void years, move some contract to bonus, bring that number on down, and bam, you've got a football team around Joe Burrow. He still gets his money. So if you're going to have this argument here, at least try to do it with people that don't know football. Because a guy like me, I know ball. And this hate against Joe Burrow, is outlandish and it's ridiculous. It kind of came out of nowhere. So like it's in the defense of Herbert. Well, I also love. I love Herbert. I can't wait to see him with Jim Harbaugh. But this slander of Joe Burrow has got to stop. All right? Yes, you can look at what Jake Browning did and not make the playoffs. Congratulations. Kudos for you. But this slander has to stop. But that is all I have for you guys today. Remember, take the 49ers to win the game, plus minus one and a half. If you feel comfortable, which I would in this case, tease it up to two and a half to try and get to flip that money into plus money. Um, and that way you can get plus money on that. Uh, over under being 47 and a half, take the under uh, if you're into that as well. Uh, there's some prop bets. Uh, if you can tease Mahomes down to about 250 and tease Purdy to about 230, um, that'll probably be your target numbers for turning the passing yards. Tease McCaffrey up to 155, 160 all-purpose yards. That'd be big as well. But I hope you guys have a great Super Bowl week. Um, you should expect the YouTube show this week. Uh, plan is to record it tomorrow, so you should expect the TV show as well. Or by the time you guys hear this today, because it'll be Thursday. Oh, but you should respect that as well. But that is all I have for you guys today. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.